Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 8 this is Wisconsin Drunken History. I am one of your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ Sorry. Awesome. We wanted to uh, just go ahead and, and thank everyone again. We've had a really awesome turnout for these videos. Uh, we have listeners now in Ireland, Australia, Canada, and even Illinois, which is nuts. <laughs> uh, hopefully they haven't listened to some of the episodes where we absolutely trash talk those uh gutter filth but <laughs> all right also you know we wanted to uh to engage we wanted to engage with you guys about future topics because you know we have a bunch that are in the vault that we really know that we want to research and that we have done even a little bit of digging into but if you guys have suggestions just reach out to us you can comment on any one of the youtube videos send us reviews uh again our website is projectcapestudio.com uh, our email and stuff is in there. Uh, hey, and, and while you're there, visit our Tee Public. There's a link in there to shop for uh, items bearing our cool logo, uh, or logos, I should say. We have a bunch of them now, right, Russ? Yeah, actually, Stephanie gave us a few more, so they're loaded up. Stephanie's right? awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, check out Tee Public if you want to uh, put our logo on your chest. Um, also, once COVID kind of slows back a bit, we want to remind you that we are scheduling right now some uh, live appearances and some uh, local sit-ins where we go to pubs and actually do the reviews in person uh, at both uh, bars or at the breweries themselves. I know we've reached out to a bunch of them, so we are still uh, very much so looking forward to uh, getting out of the studio and, and into, uh, into the public. And without further ado, here's our main story. Lumberjack Lingo. As a Wisconsinite, we all recognize the sound of the chainsaw. Russ, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was morning wood, right? Oh, yeah. That's nice. more than just a, a stiff, stiff breeze, if you get me. <laughs> yeah, that baby's tumbling. Um, so before we start the episode, as always, I'd like to tell where we get our information for the episode comes from. Um, this episode, I used a 1938 book by Stuart Holbrook called Hol Holy Old Mackinac, A Natural History of American Lumberjack. He was a lumberjack turned book writer and... This part of the book was actually called the uh, Lumberjack's Dictionary inside the book. Ah. 
We also used um, a publication from 1976 called The Loggers, which was published in the Time Life books. <laughs> Loggers. As well as an up north publication called Logging and Forestry. This one was specifically the 2020 version. And uh, if anyone wants to get it, it's at the uh, Bad River up, up north by Hurley. It's called the Bad River um, Tribe reservation and we got it at the actual gift shop right right on highway two there and i know we actually we had somebody reach out to us too about uh what our source was uh that they they were from not not the same book or publication but they were from another one that exists out there as well for lumberjack lingo yeah we got a a little email from the uh, pioneer park who will probably be on the episode later today yeah and uh, they wanted to know where we got our information from they were using a different book but this is the 1938 version that we're using, and uh, some of the terms are maybe are a little old timey, if if you get to my drift. But there's still something we use today as as like somebody who cuts lumber. Yeah, and honestly, I I know that uh, even the older terminology, although you know it may have come from thir- the 30s, a lot of that stuff it just carries over from generation of logger to generation. It just it, it seems to stick, even though now th- those those terms mean something different to us you know, you and I being born in the eighties, we're probably going to have, have a different recollection or, or relate it to something different. But if you're in that industry and that's your field of, uh, of work, then that's something that you're going to recognize right off the top. Right. And I, I catch myself saying some of these, obviously I don't use all of them. Um, but I want to say a quote from Henry Ford and Henry Ford's one of my favorite people in history. He always has great quotes and his quote goes, chop your own wood and it'll warm you twice. Which is true. I mean, I, I do it in the wintertime all the time and just, just to warm myself up. The one thing you have to be aware of in Wisconsin is when you're sweating in negative 10 degrees, you can catch hypothermia very quickly with right. the sweat, freeze it instantly. So Henry Ford also said that you can have it in any color as long as it's black. So Right. And it is a max. It's like a very ex- high exertion of force. And uh, without further ado, we do want to give a shout out to all the people in the logging and logging industry, especially men and women. It's a very hard job and dangerous, dangerous. And we just wanted to give a huge shout out to the men and women who give us our two by fours and our four by eights. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start some of the terms here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask my co-host here, Eric, some of these terms and get his take on them before I read the actual meaning of the term. Here we go. All right, Eric, so the first term we got is back cut. Yeah, uh, that's what happens when my wife is shaving my uh, forest in the back there. Yeah, it's not Steven Seagal giving you a chop to the back. Yeah. It's actually the the cut that's made after you notch to drop the actual tree, and it falls over. As you heard in that intro, that's basically what he was doing. He notched the tree, and he's coming in for the back cut. Okay, yeah, so, okay. It just helps it fall in the right direction. Exactly. All right, the next term I got is barber chair. Uh, yeah, I mean that's where you go when you get your hair cut. Yeah, the uncomfortable chair that they try to hoist you up on, and so when you then s- your feet dangle like a child. So when you say you got a barber chair tree, the tree's actually spinning when it's coming down, which is scary because that way you don't know which direction it's going to fall. Yeah, yeah, that's incredibly dangerous. Do you know what a bindle is? I just I think maybe like a like a bunch of sticks. It's actually a bedroll or a, a, a pack. That the lumbers would, lumberjacks would carry. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, uh, like a like a backpack or something, maybe. A do you know what a bird peak is? No, they're actually the black dots in the end of the log that reduce its value. 
And you see some of those, like when you get the really shitty lumber at Menards, like the cheap right. cuts, you yeah. know, the non-premium, right. you know, you'll see that. So it's just black dots. What do, I mean, what does that consist of? Or what, what are the marks made of? Is it like mold or? It's actually just like from the, the tree ring. So sometimes the trees will grow a little wonky. And obviously you've seen the bird's eye inside the tree logs yeah. where they're like the big knot inside there. And that yep. reduces its value as well. Holy cow. Um, so do you know what a boom is? What we're using to speak on right now, our boom arms. Yeah. It's a raft of logs that they use in the water. They call them a boom. Oh, okay. Got it for, uh, for getting them down, uh, down river. Yep. And do you know what a bucking or bucker is? I would imagine it's when your chainsaw, uh, kicks back. It's when you're cutting a felled tree into logs or somebody who does that. Oh, got it. Got it. Do you know what a bowl of the woods is? A bowl of the woods. No. It's actually the man in charge of the logging operation, the boss. Is it the bull? B-U-L-L or yeah. B-O-W-L? Bull. Oh, I thought B-U-L-L. you said bowl. Bull. Bull crap. I, Im- I immediately went toilet <laughs> with it when you first said but I didn't want to say that. Do you want a bull whacker is? Yeah, oh, no. Woof. <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, a bull whacker is the ox teamster in an old-time logging camp. Okay. Do you know what calc I think it's calc boots are? Uh, they're not Red Wings. They're shittier boots. Is that <laughs> they're, right? <laughs> they're boots with the sharp spikes added to improve attraction. Like when you'd climb up a tree, for example. Yeah. Maybe calc boots. I know when, when uh, companies do um, specialty concrete flooring, like in basements and stuff, and they're like it's supposed to be really smooth, the shoes that they wear are like golf spikes. So that way they're not making an impression. The little spikes that they're walking on don't actually leave a, a bubble or any trace when you're walking on uh, wet concrete. I have actually seen those shoes. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever uh, heard of a cat skinner? No. It's, it's not a Jeffrey Dahmer type dude. He's not fucking it killing sounds, animals. Yeah, it sounds a little Ed Geenish. Yeah, it's a little Geenish, but it's actually a bulldozer operator. They called him a cat skinner. Okay. Do you know what a choker is? No. It's not the shitty necklace the, the skanky girls wore in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I forgot about those. It's actually a chain or cable that going around the log to be skidded off. Oh, you know what? Yep. Ice road truckers. Do you know what a conch or conchs are? No. They're fruiting bodies of a fungus and rotting wood. Okay. Do you know what a cork is? Yeah, what my sister pulls out of a wine bottle. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the short, sharp spikes set in the sole of the shoes. Okay. Do you know what a cruise or cruiser is? Uh, when the log is going down the hill and it's uncontrollable. It's actually somebody who measures and estimates the amount of board feet in a standing tree. So it's actually, or a person who does that. Okay. So they just measure out the tree diameter sure. and see what planks they can get out of the tree. Sure. For cash reasons, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what a crummy is? <laughs> uh, a Pop-Tart? <laughs> it's, we have a crummy at work that I use once in a while. It's a piece of shit. It's actually oh, a, okay. it's, it's a company vehicle or railroad car used to haul workers to the site. We, yeah. have, we have some crummies at work. Dude, that was your uh, 97 Intrepid you used to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Where the reverse went out. <laughs> you got to go forward all we, the time. We, we, you, if, you, if you get into a parking lot and all that's left is spots behind somebody else, <laughs> you, you would physically have to 
put it in neutral, and then have somebody push walk it back. back. <laughs> there was a time when him and I were in the in the car. He was in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger seat. I had my right leg out. He had his left leg out, and we're just pushing it while we're sitting <laughs> in the car. All right, the next term you got is a curly. Do you know what a curly is? Wow, one of the characters on Three Stooges. <laughs> that That is true, actually, but it's a part of the wood where you get like a wavy pattern in it, so they call that a curly. So is that like a a bend or a bow in it or no it's actually just like the pattern of the wood it's a, like a curve it kind of looks like a wave like, oh so the like wood a... grain is yep. sort of blah yeah curvy do you know what a deacon seat is hmm, nope it's a bunkhouse bench made of a split log it's actually a pretty big log but they make benches out of them so does the underside still have the the curvature of like the, the outside of the tree a lot of and times... then the top is just a flat yeah, a lot of times that's pretty off. much how it was. It was like a curve with like two little wood logs coming out of it, nice. basically like a just a small seat. That's actually a really, really high-end type of furniture now, especially yeah, if you right. head up to Monaco and you go to roughing it. So if you ever get a chance, go on Amazon. You can actually buy a stump to sit on. Like they're treated and everything, but like it's like $300. I'm like, like you would normally see up north around a campfire? Yeah. It's like and people pay. People pay 300 bucks for it. I could make you one for 20 bucks. Hit us up. I've got like five trees here in my yard that could create a bunch of those. I can make you a maple one, a cedar, whatever you want. I'll do it for $20. I've got a crab so don't, apple don't, one that's pretty thick. You could sit on, like, for the kids. I can't do a two-day shipping, but you just stop by. I'll, I'll hook you up with one. Absolutely. You show up with your, your pickup truck, and we'll get you loaded. Do you know what a D-horn is? It's kind of what I'm doing right now. I don't. Is it sipping a beer? It's actually an alcoholic beverage. Any type. Usually it's moonshine in the in the working camps. And what was that again? A D-horn. A D-horn. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I cracked the horns quite a bit. Oh, baby. <laughs> Do you know what a drag day is? Uh, that's a date to Hamburger Mary's. <laughs> it's a day when you can get an advancement on your paycheck. And back in the day, I mean. That was probably uh, generously used by yeah. many of the oh, uh, sure. loggers. I mean, a lot of times I'm sure these guys collected their paychecks and just dipped. You know? I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Do you know what an escape path is? It's pretty... I would imagine that it's just like an exit strategy in case exactly. of emergency. That's exactly it. Trees coming down. We have to know what we're going to do beforehand. Do you know what felling means? Nope. No it's idea. Actually, it's actually dropping the tree. So when you're, you're felling a tree, you're actually just dropping the tree. Got it. So it's just bad English. Yeah. Great. Do you know what a Gandhi dancer is? And it's not the women dancing for you in Hurley. It's uh, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, you know. Vegas Show Club or whatever it is. Getting a lap dance. Yeah. It's actually a man who uses a pick and a shovel. They're called a so candy dancer. Exotic. <laughs> Do you know what a gin pole is? And it's not a thing at Silk Exotic either. It's not when you're sipping on some uh, Tanqueray is, and spinning around circles. <laughs> is that when you're at the bar and you're playing dice and one goes off the, the bar and it, you have to do a rail shot or, or shot a rail gin? Not exactly. But okay. So that was uh, close. a gin pole is a short spar used for loading and unloading logs. A short spar. Is that almost like a firewood poker kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. It's like a, that's kind of a spar. You'd use something similar to that. It's a tool. Yep. Do you know what a go devil is? And it's not somebody that goes to the strip club and gets the lap dance. Dude, devilish. Uh, no, I don't know what that is. It's a splitting mall used in some areas and uh, in others, it's a sled used to lift the log. Um, from the front end. Okay. Do you know what a grab skipper is? 
<laughs> is that a hammer that's pointed on one end? Got it. That's exactly okay. it. Okay. Nailed it, that one. Do you know what a hard tack outfit is? A hard tack outfit? Uh, no, I've heard of hard tack. It's and, a- I, uh, and I mean, they call companies outfits, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, something like that? Yeah, I mean, so a hard tack outfit is, an, is like a, actually a logging camp that gives you like really crappy food. It'd be like a logging camp today delivering you some uh, Taco Bell or something where you're going to get the wild doo-doos in the woods. It's what all the NBA players are complaining about in their bubbles in Orlando, that their food tastes like dump. And it's like it's like the stuff that I literally just ate on Tuesday. A hot dog with some macaroni <laughs> yeah. and cheese and ketchup. 30-year-old shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what hardware is? I mean, obviously, there's multiple uses for the term hardware, but I've run into this problem myself. I mean, random nuts and bolts, screws. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much it. It's it's uh, bolts and nuts that are in the tree, so when you hit them with the chainsaw, you get a spark. I did that the other day. I was mowing the lawn, and up and down 36, there's, or not 36, uh, up and down uh, Forest Home, there's a, a bunch of trucks that come by, you know, big flatbeds, and... They all have chains and stuff holding, you know, rigs down and stuff. But as soon as they're they're empty and they're hauling feathers, those chains sometimes are just sitting on the top of the flatbed. And when they hit all the bumps, they just come flying off of the trucks and then they sit on the on the roadside right on our easement. And this one, this chain was buried. I didn't see it at all. And it was rusty colored. So it just sort of blended in in nature. And I went over it with my with my push mower doing edging. That immediately sucked in, and the whole thing shut off, and the gas cap flew up in the air oh about three feet. That's I got nervous. That's I was deadly, like, this yeah. thing's probably broken. There's a little poop in the pants when you see that. I definitely oh, poop in a pantyhole. All right, do you know what? This one's pretty another common term. Do you know what a high climber or high rigger is? Uh, somebody that has to be the one that goes really high up on the tree. Yeah, if I don't have a lift, that's that's not me. I'll tell you right now. I'm I'm yeah. a base camp guy. Like I just right. If you don't have a cherry picker, you know something with a bucket up top. I mean, there's no way I'm doing that. Do you know what high balling or high ball means? It's not when you wear your pants up to your stomach. <laughs> it's uh, when it's cold outside. Yeah, that is a high baller. Those like those <laughs> things suck up in your stomach around here when it's negative ten. Yeah, it's Seinfeld actually... Seinfeld fans. It was cold. I was in the pool. <laughs> So there, it actually is a term for using to speed up the operation. Like, and uh, an expert would be able to do this. So they, they, they like they, they'll yell, "We need highball or highballing." So you need to speed it up a little bit. Oh, okay, got it. Underlay. Do you know what a hot saw is? Um, I would imagine that it's one that's been used to cut through a bunch of stuff, and it the, the blade is warm. You can that can be a hot saw. So, or do you mean one that's running actively? But it is that too. So okay. what it is like? I've done a hot saw before. It's when you don't actually properly mix the gas and the oil together. Oh, so the saw starts getting really hot, and it it's like it smokes from the um, the change the right, drive. Yep, yep. So that's usually when you have more more gas than oil. Yeah. Or is it the opposite? It's it's the opposite. It's usually when you don't have more oil. Okay. So because the oil is actually what's cooling it down. The gas. Well, that's is what I thought. It. Yep. Because the ga- the 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 purpose of a mixed, it, what is it, a two cycle? Yeah, is mixed, yep. and then so you have the oil goes through with the gasoline to do all the lubricating the while lubricating it's working and the cooling. So, right. Yep. Okay. Do you know what a ink slinger is? And actually, this is kind of a derogatory term. I'm technically be an ink slinger. 
It's basically somebody who keeps time in the logging camps. It's like a, it's like an office worker. It's technically uh, an ink slinger. Yeah, you're not a, a grunt. You're right, not you're not actually the doing the work. work. You're doing the easy paperwork. Yeah. The, I am too then, yeah. Yeah, I'm a bureaucrat. I mean, I hate to say it, but in engineering, you're basically a bureaucrat. I was just going to say, I mean, technically, my collar's, you know, a little more on the white side. Do you know an what an iron burner is? No. It's a blacksmith in a logging camp. So what would they make? So back like then, spikes. Yeah, they make spikes. in order to hold, like, uh, like the wood logs on like trucks or. Yeah, they would. They would actually um, fire up the ovens and actually make some of the. the we're going to talk about log tongs or some of the tooling that they use spikes. Yeah, they'd actually make them there sometimes, especially in the old timey days. I you imagine can't, you'd have to have. You that, can't yeah. go to a, you can't go to Ace Hardware and pick this stuff up. It's somebody's right. making it. You know, there's no Home Depot. <laughs> Do you know what a jailbird is? I mean, besides I mean, like the standard. The only thing that I can think of, and, and I don't even know if there's actually a movie to reference or anything like that, but I just imagine somebody who escapes jail, they go directly to this camp, and then they just fit right in because nobody's really documented anyway. I mean, there that probably is another term for it because jailbird is multiple use, but actually in the term of logging, a jailbird is somebody who cuts over their property line, cutting someone else's logs. So when you oh. cut them, they'll eventually spot that, and the person that did it is sent to jail right. for doing it. So, yeah. Do you know what a key log is? No. And it's not that first log you let out in the morning. Well, that's key. Loosen up. That is key, though. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's actually a log that would jam up the rest of the lumber from moving downstream. So it's like it would actually create a dam, and all the lumber would bundle up behind it, so it would stop all the log movement moving down the rivers. That's such weird terminology, to be honest. Yeah, and actually, we were just at um, the Agate Falls up in UP, and that's where they had a huge logging industry, and it was pretty cool to see the waterfall. I know it would be cool to see the lumber actually f- shooting down that thing. It'd be cool. Isn't it crazy the amount of, uh, well, the logging industry up there that was so prevalent before because of its uh, uh, proximity to like uh, um, waterways, but the, like the paper companies that are still uh, making stuff up, up North as yeah, well. There's a ton of them too. And if any of you haven't smelt, go to Wisconsin Rapids or even Ashland and smell the pulp smell. It's a stinky well, that's what, smell. Pulp and paper always gets a bad rap because it is, it's uh, it, it's such a smelly operation in order to get it to what it needs to be. Gary, Indiana, that's the number one reason why it became like the stinkiest, you know, city in America (laughs) is because of its paper industry. The pulp and paper industry in Gary, Indiana was always booming. And yet, you know, that emission uh, from the stacks is just foul. It is awful. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, go through Wisconsin Rapids and uh, just just kind of go next to the paper mill. I mean, you can smell it probably from a half mile away when they're actually running. It is. It's pretty stinky. But we also have right here where we're at in the studio, uh, there is a um, garbage like landfill only probably two, three miles away. But the biggest concern is when we wake up sometimes in the morning, if it's kind of like a more dense air, that smell of uh what it would that would that be like uh oh like the poop smell yeah uh methane yeah it's like methane it is it's similar and i mean it's not harmful but it's if you have the windows open it creeps in and that'll be the first it's like you know how you wake up to the smell of coffee or bacon this is like waking up to a gross gas fart 
And it, it, you know, if you're walking around on the streets, it actually does kind of permeate into your clothing. You can it smell does. it when you leave. It's stinky. On our walk this morning, that was you, you could smell it. Yeah. It was bad. All right, the next term I have is log lizard. And it's not a lot lizard. Jesus. And you know what that is. I mean, Is that somebody who waits around by the porta-potties at a concert? Yeah. <laughs> and by somebody, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. So a log lizard is actually a tool made from a crotch tree on which the front <laughs> of a log is loaded for easy skidding. You just said... Dude, first of all... Crotch. You said crotch, and then you said easy skidding. Yeah. I'll tell you what's easy skidding. Eating chili... And then trusting too much. So I want to, before we begin, keep going, I want to give a little story. Of, so when I was when I was out of school, I, I graduated college, and I didn't really want to go into the workforce right away, so I took a short break and just kind of took a road trip. And, uh, I mean, being, like, kind of naive from a small town, even with college, I learned some things. But I went to a truck stop, right? And I was sleeping in my car, and all of a sudden I hear a knock on the window, you know? the, And I'm like, yeah, who is it? And this woman asked me to roll down my window and starts talking to me, you know? And I didn't know what she wanted out of me, you know? She was just talking to me, kind of like just... Seemed friendly. Yeah, seemed friendly. She didn't look like somebody that was be into this deal, you know? Like, right. And uh, I'm like, you know, no, thank you. I'm going to go. She wanted to kind of come into my car, kind of talk to me a little bit more. I'm like, no, no, thank you. I'm, I'm going back to sleep. My, my buddy's passed out in the backseat, you know? And uh, all of a sudden, like, we wake up the next day, and one of the truckers like, do you know what that was? He's like, that's a lot lizard. That is somebody who will actually service you in the in the roadside stops. I'm like, dude, I'm so naive. You know, I'm a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd, I'm not, you know, maybe back then I was single, so maybe I would have went for it. But my buddy was in the back seat, dude. I'm not going to take a tuggy while, you that know. That was your, uh, your, your brother, right? Your stepbrother? Yep. Was that that trip out west? Yeah, it was that trip. And I'm not going to take a tuggy while my brother's in the back seat, you know. It's like, it's messed up, but... <laughs> It was yeah. kind of just something I learned on the road. It was, you know, I've had multiple experiences. From well, it. it was cool. Trip. I was just going to say, but we've heard, you've heard that before, but you always right. kind of imagine that it's uh, almost like a myth. It's folklore. Yeah. But then you do, you get like towards Iowa, Nebraska, sort of like the flyover states. And it, it's real because there are so many, uh, OTR over the road, uh, truckers or whatever, uh, it, it's it's weird because they're you know I don't want to say that it's that it makes the whole thing like scummy or whatever but I prefer rest areas I'm one of those people that you know when I'm driving down the highway and we're doing like a road trip I prefer the truck stops because there's generally an attendant on site whereas if you get off the highway and you go down like a mile to get to you know the the local gas station there might not be an attendant at all. And that person who's working the register, they don't have time to go sanitize anything or clean anything up. So the truck stops have always been key for me, unless you're in, uh, in reach of like a quick trip, quick trips. Again, I say this all the time. They have a light switch to flip on. If the room needs work, if if an attendant needs to go in there and, and handle something, there's that little light switch that notifies them to get in there and do it. Right. I mean, I don't want to say this on, on the air, but uh, they call it the world's largest truck stop, a.k.a. the world's largest f- stop. I mean, that's pretty much exactly it. It's, it's on I-80. If you ever go through Iowa, it's probably worth stopping at. It's actually a pretty cool place to check out. But. Well, they generally have a lot of really uh, good souvenirs uh, on the cheaper side instead of when you go to 
uh, you know, an amusement park or something or yeah. wherever you're going to. Exactly. Uh, the, the truck stops typically have that cheaper stuff, which is nicer if you're trying to buy for a couple people that you're, you know, coming back home to. Exactly. All right. So we'll move on now to the next term. Do you know what macaroni is? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Craft I had dinner. it for dinner the other day. Craft dinner. Yeah. It's actually the sawdust that the saw makes. They called it macaroni back then. I guess because it kind of looks a little noodly and curls sometimes. Uh, so I, I imagine, yeah, if you're not just like cutting a couple two by fours, you know, where it just turns into actual powder. Right. But if you're dealing with a massive log, I would imagine that that would, uh, yeah, it would look different. It would be longer strands. Do you know what a muzzle loader is? Uh, I mean, a black powder gun? Yeah, it is. But actually, it's in the camps. They'd have the bed so close together, so they'd have to load themselves in the bed from the front. They'd oh. actually have to jump into the yeah. bunkhouse, basically. Sure. Instead of rolling over 30 dudes' bunks to get yours in the middle? Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what a nose bag is? <laughs> it's not cocaine, dude. Like, I, <laughs> you know what I was thinking immediately was, uh, like... So when you're eating chow, like as a as a horse, you know, like a feed bag almost. <laughs> put it over your mouth and but just you to, put it on over the back your of your head. <laughs> it's yeah, actually, I don't know. It actually is a, a lunch bucket. No so way. It's, yeah, it is. It's a lunch bucket. They called it nose bags. So you're pretty close. Nice. Do you know what a peeler is? No. It's the person who strips the the bark off the um the tree. I mean, is there any use for? Bark? Like, yeah. like, what do they do? What do they do with bark? I actually don't know what they do with the bark. I know the strip logs because they have really. Lo- if you go up north, you see it everywhere. But they use them for like, cabins and building and stuff like that. The poles, sure. and then you just notch it with your chainsaw, and you can just lay them one on top of the other. It's kind of like Lincoln logs. And yeah, it's the same de- deal. I mean, and I've just, seen those machines that that strip the bark straight clean. Yeah, and it's actually those like a giant planer, but it's not flat. It's circular takes it all off at the same time it's crazy yeah, back then they actually used draw knives which is like super dangerous way to do it it's really dangerous you're basically pulling the blade towards you to strip the bark off yeah it's pretty dangerous it's curved it's like a curved knife and it goes you know you just want another what you're and it actually strips the bark off but it's really dangerous yeah it's almost like a, a cheese cutter yeah and if you go to like old world wisconsin you'll see somebody actually using an old draw knife i i use one because i don't have a lot of money so old world wisconsin is a that's a good point. We should actually uh, do a, an episode on that. Yeah, I'd love to have somebody on. Definitely. Yeah. That'd be cool. Have you ever heard of a river pig? Oh, is that when me I, when I'm trying to shower? When I go tubing outdoors? when I go tubing down the Sugar River and my gut's hanging out? <laughs> the Sugar River. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Family so, over there. It's actually uh, men who work on the river. It's just the river drivers, basically. Okay. The guys who used to float in the logs and push them so they were moving. Sure. Do you know what a skid road is? No. It's just a, a actual trail that you skid the logs down. Okay. Do you know what it means to snipe? No. So when you snipe a log, you're actually putting like a taper or a point on it so it's easier to pull down the trails. Okay. It's kind of like sledding it is another term sure. I've heard. You can sled a log where you're kind of cutting it at a taper so you can drag it easier. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what a splash dam is? Is that a dam with built up water uh, to, to help washing logs downstream or something like that? Yeah, exactly. So you're actually using a log and the, the water is going to build up behind it. And what they do is they create this dam where there's tons of pressure behind it and then they let it go and it just to help shoots. the others go. Yeah, it shoots. I've the other seen ones. that before. Yeah. 
Do you know what a spring pole is? Ugh, nope. It's not going to the strip club in the spring. Let's yeah, just I was just going to say, is that when you're done cleaning your house and you finally reward yourself by going over to Vegas Club? So if you've ever seen like Looney Tunes when they bend the trees over and shoot the characters off, like in Wiley Coyote, you know, when Roadrunner, like he sets those traps, but he gets on the tree and the Roadrunner and cuts it, just it goes, and he shoots them. Flies that's, in miles. That's basically what it is. It's a spring tree, a really like a tree that can bend, that can shoot back at you. Wow. Do you know what a steam donkey is? It's not a wild sex position where you, I'm going to give you the old steam donkey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's slang for cool stuff, I would imagine. It's a portable steam engine. Um, usually, like, it's an older method, but it was, like, kind of a device to move the logs. Well, that makes sense, because donkeys, you know, you can, I think you can still rent donkeys to go down to the Grand Canyon, right? Yeah, exactly. They got those you little sa- uh, saddlebags on the sides of them. And- it's, it's kind of scary. I don't know. I, I, I did do it. it. It's freaking freaky, man. I thought I was going to fall off the side of it. I've, I've often wanted to go to a couple of the different uh, rims of uh, of the Grand Canyon. I haven't seen it myself, but, I mean, the, the images are stunning that I have seen. So Yeah, it's, it's one of the, my favorite tourist attractions I've been to, you know. Yeah. The problem is, like, it gets pretty busy. Everyone wants to stop there. I mean, there. it's just a giant. I mean, it's the way that I think of it is, like, when I went to the Golden Gate Bridge, when you see, like, normal traffic just driving on it, it doesn't look that bad, but the roadside little stops, yikes. Yeah. They're just, I mean, hundreds of people at a time looking out at Alcatraz, and, I mean, it's just nuts. Yeah, another cool one to do if you ever take a road trip is the uh, Petrified Forest. It's okay. like dinosaur-age trees that have been petrified. It's, it's pretty neat. I mean... Nice. Maybe not so much if you got like teenagers or something, but for somebody like me who likes to learn that kind of stuff, it's pretty interesting. You definitely have to have that kind of a, a acquired taste for certain things. All right, the next term I got. Do you know what a swamper is? Just a, a helper. Yeah, it's just a helper in the logging business, basically. Sure. Do you know what a Swedish fiddle is? I'd imagine that that's got to be like some kind of a slang term for a saw. Yeah, it's just a cross-cut saw. Okay. Do you know what a short staker or a boomer is? And it's not an old guy that we call on social media, like the old yeah. grumpy dude. Get Way off my go. lawn. Way to go, boomer. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's a worker who quits um, pretty much after working, after earning just a small sum of money. And I've known people that are sh- these kind of people. We live, we come from Elkhorn. There's a lot of boomer short stakers there for sure. I had one person. So when I was working at Alpine Valley, uh, we were cleaning up after show day. Uh, it was one of those ones where it was a, a turnaround. So the show ends at one o'clock parking lots are finally clear at like three. You have to show back up to work. You probably left at midnight and then you have to go back at 5am to get the parking lots cleared by 11 or noon. When that, you know, like Dave Matthews does a two-dayer out there back-to-back. Yep. Sometimes Jimmy Buffett does it as well. The Grateful Dead are known for doing it. Uh, so it being the staff that has to leave at, at midnight or one and then go back by five, and then you're just walking, like, sweeping the parking lots for trash and beer bottles and yeah. stuff. Uh, I had this one girl. She found money, like probably 50 bucks. She walked off. Oh, she man. kept it and just hauled off. She never came back. For 50 bucks. And normally what we would do is if you found loose money, not in a wallet, you you bought donuts and then got to keep whatever was left. But you had to buy donuts with some of that money. 
to provide for the rest of the crew. Yeah. So I'd imagine that's kind of like her. Yeah. You just you make a little bit of money and then you just dip. She's technically a boomer than our short yeah. staker for sure. What a bitch. <laughs> Do you know what a timber beast is? Ooh. No. I mean, it's, it's just a high tree. It's a wild or unruly logger. And it's somebody, cause you can call somebody a timber beast too if they're really good at logging. Like they're yeah. just, they can just shred, they can highball is the term. Yeah. I'm going to grab a sip of my DeHorn real quick. Oh yeah, get it. Let's go ahead and hear it for ice cold cruisers right now. This is a short break. Do you know what tin pants are? Tin pants. That's uh, a pair of fresh dickies uh, that are just stiff and rigid. <laughs> I mean, you can get dickies that are these type of pants. They're actually just waterproof, heavy canvas pants. And dickies does make. I wear dickie shorts a lot. And they're just, I mean, they're just a stiff canvas pant. But that's cool. I didn't know that. Do you know what a veneer is? Obviously, somebody who goes to Ikea, you should know this one. A veneer. Is that like a covering? Yeah, it's actually a, a thin slice lumber that they use to coat tables and chairs with at Ikea usually. Or like, you can get it at so Menards So it's press board. Too. Yeah, exactly. It's press board, and then you got the top that actually is wood. Exactly. It's like a thin layer of wood that they got cover it. it with, so it looks like it's maple. And it but can be really, cheaper so that we're not doing a solid wood table. It looks like maple, but really it's just like super cheap particle board. Yeah, it's just press wood underneath. Do you know what a Widowmaker is? And wrestling fans, it's not that. It's not the uh, not wrestling the old move. elbow drop from the top rope. Oh, yeah, Widowmaker. <laughs> um, I would say a Widowmaker is uh, a tree that could cause major damage, just huge. Yeah, it's like a dead limb. It could limb. end your life. Yeah, it's like a dead limb or branch that could fall on somebody and end someone's life, t- thus making their wife a widow. We don't have We don't have a Widowmaker out on our property, but we do have, I mean, we have trees that are close. That definitely have larger size branches, but I don't think any of them can hit our our actual house. Yeah, we live on a farm. We have tons of maples, like silver maples. So I, one of these days, I got to cut more of them down. But we got a whole bunch of widow makers in the yard. I try to steer clear of them when I'm mowing because I don't really want to leave the kids hanging. Yeah. I remember when I was over at your house in Janesville and I gave that table a widow maker. Oh, yeah, you, and you bowed a pumpkin, too. That thing I was a, hard. I bowed many pumpkins. It was like frozen so pumpkin. So many gourds. And you widow-makered that pumpkin. I could not believe that one. But your neighbor came out so aggressive, and he was like, The kids! They're sleeping! What are you guys doing? And I was like, We're, we're just doing karate. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. All right, last term I'm going to do, and there's more terms, and I recommend checking out Lumberjack Lingo, but the last term I'm going to give you is what is a wolf tree? Wolf tree. Stands alone in the pack. That's That could be it. It's actually like a big tree that's kind of like rotted out and ugly, and it's usually hollow in the middle. So when you're cutting it, it's kind of like just junk and rotted out. So that's a wolf tree. Don't murder me. <laughs> I beg of you don't murder me, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a wolf, dire wolf. And that'll conclude the main segment, Lumberjack Lingo. I hope you guys found it very informative. I recommend checking out some of the sources and uh grab a dehorn and stick with us. Yeah, and if you have any questions uh further about these uh these terminologies or if you have anything else to add, be sure to comment on the uh the video itself once we have it on YouTube. And now, another edition of Wisconsin Music. Yeah, so I put out a feeler probably a few months ago trying to get some local bands, and uh, this one was one of the submissions. 
Um, his name is R.J. Halstead, and he's a country musician from Janesville, Wisconsin. And he gave us a song that was pretty fitting for our podcast called Wisconsin Beer. Oh, nice. It's a really good song. Um, I'm not a huge fan of modern country, but this one's kind of more your old school country sound. It's not that modern, like Keith Urban, you know, the pandering country music. And honestly, I, I so the 2000s country, I really don't enjoy that much. But since like 2010-ish, it's become more of like a, a pop uh, top 40 kind of thing. Right. And I really don't mind it. I think it, I think it does. It, it plays off of the original country roots, uh, and salutes some of those artists. In fact, some of them even will sample, uh, songs from the thirties and forties in theirs. And so I think that stuff is cool. And, uh, you're right. This, this song is awesome it's a cool song and uh yeah for like modern country i mean i really like chris stapleton and i actually do really um brothers osborne i know you like too. midland but anything other than that any you know anything from the turn of the century to the 90s was good i mean i i liked garth brooks i mean definitely love that stuff yeah um brooks and dunn too brooks and dunn uh um they they redid a uh, an album too recently that was cool with uh some of their hits but then they they did it with uh, featuring some of the newer artists, which and, is rad. And I'm pretty eclectic with music. Like I pretty much like all genres. Um, and we that's what we wanted. We wanted a more of a, a various artist, not just like kind of our, our go-to where it's like indie rock and, you know, the pop punk thing. We wanted to get other artists on here. And I think this was great to get his. And I was just going to say, RJ fits right in. I mean, he sits among those individuals. So hopefully we can get him, you know, a few more listens and, uh, pay him some pay him some uh much needed attention too definitely and uh if you get a chance check out his Bandcamp, facebook or his twitter account he's a really cool guy rj halstead without further ado here's the song wisconsin beer The gods of every cult all same to us now, yeah. Drink it down when it hits your tongue. Make fear out when everything's wrong. Oh, beer. Oh, beer. Wisconsin beer. Toasty City Lights, Pearl Street Brewery. Don't forget about Old Door County. Spend a little more with your loot. Makes you feel oh so good. Come on, beer. Yeah. 
Wisconsin All right. Again, guys, that was R.J. Halstead with Wisconsin Beer. Be sure to check him out on all of his social media platforms. Uh, Absolutely awesome. It only goes uh, even better from there, but how could it? Because it's Wisconsin Beer. Speaking of Wisconsin Beer, check it out. We have another beer review segment. Today we are taking a look at and tasting Palette Jack Cruiser IPA. This is from Door County Brewing Company. This is a 4.5% uh, ABV. The uh, It's a session IPA. It has really great citrus and tropical fruits uh, profile uh, with hints of you get mango, you get grapefruit. Uh, you even get like pineapple, which is... I'm tasting that right Kind now. of unusual, but it's awesome. I know we had talked to one of the guys out at the uh, Bavarian Beer House, and he talked about some pineapple uh, beer that they're brewing right now, and it did really well last year. Um, but this one, again, it just has that uh, amazing fruity, citrusy flavor. You put pineapple and grape in front of this guy, I'm going to suck it down. I'm in. I fucking, I'm in. Those are my two favorites. It's a win. Uh, this is brewed with uh, Azaka and yep. Citra. Right. Yep. Azaka okay. and Citra hops. Azaka and Citra. Yep. So we always did home brewing, but we used to make a single malt, single hop, and Citra is always one of my favorites. It always has a like grapefruit, like it is tangerine flavor. And I remember one we made. I think you guys got me the recipe from Fort Collins. Yeah. So I did. I did the research for a really cool recipe. Uh, got the uh, names of all the uh, the hops that you needed. Plus the, the the amounts, uh, the weights of the the hops, and then uh, whatever yeast or not yeast, but uh, um, uh, barley and, and all the other different stuff that was included in that. And uh, while we were out in Fort Collins, there was a uh, a, um, a small home brewery type shop that had all the um, that had all of that built in, and they were selling all of that stuff as well as. Uh, all the equipment in order to brew. It was kind of like our northern, uh, what is that, northern brewery up here? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean, really cool shop, kind of right in the heart of down downtown uh, Fort Collins, which if you haven't been, again, I'm sure we're going to talk about you this gotta, a million you times. you got to check it out. Fort Collins is absolutely awesome. It's not only a, a college town, but it's also just a super laid-back, down-to-earth, cool town. Uh, feels small, but... You've got two of the the largest craft breweries there, Odell and uh, New Belgium, and, and um, um, amongst all of the other ones that are there. But right. this little uh, home brewery shop, we picked up all the ingredients for Russ at his for his dirty thirty, in order to surprise him when he got home to say, "Hey, dude, let's brew a beer to to kind of commemorate this whole thing." And in a, you know, in like three four weeks, we were down in that baby. Yeah, it was cool. It was called, uh, I think we named it Bike Peddler, kind of like peddler. after the New Belgium After the New Belgium tire. thing, the fat tire. Yeah, exactly. Which, if you don't know about that that storied history, I encourage you to, to go look that up. That's not a story we'll ever do because the, it's a Colorado brewery. But the bike uh, stories for uh, New Belgium, and it, because it's employee-owned, right? Yep. Because it's employee-owned, when you get to a certain point of, of uh, employment there, it, you, you get... Uh, a cool custom, a, co- a completely custom bike. 
uh, cruiser bikes. And if you haven't read into it, it's cool. Go to their website. They've got stories. Yeah, it's neat. And uh, but I this, have, it's good. This Door County, this is awesome. It's it's equivalent to like any of the other really top notch beers. I like the fruity stuff, especially in the summertime. This the, is the great. citrus goes down really smooth, almost like I said before, almost like a cool lemonade. You know that that you reach for. This is in that same wheelhouse. I actually ran into a guy at uh, Total Wine. And he, I had my, my little build your own six pack in my hand and I had two spots open and I heard him struggling, talking to one of the associates there, asking him for pallet jack. And the guy was just like, I don't know. It's, we just don't have it. It, We have everything in alphabetical order. It should be right here. He was like, never mind. I'll just, I'll search for something else. He ended up finding a couple of these. Now this is one of his favorite beers. He walked up to me and he goes, what are, you, what are you doing? He saw me putting together my own six pack. I was finding strictly Wisconsin beers and he pulls me aside and he goes, dude, you got to try pallet Jack. And he hands me the two that he found. Those are the two that Russ and I are sucking down at this moment. That's cool. And, uh, so I told him about the podcast and let him know that, yeah, we're going to review this thing then. I mean, this is highly recommended comes very highly recommended from, from you you're a beer drinker. You're a Wisconsinite. Yeah. You're a you're a brother. Yeah. Let's go. And and now that I'm I'm having this for the first time, I hadn't had this beer ever before, and it is refreshing. Yeah. And for those of you don't, that don't know, um, the Door County Brewing Company was started in 2012 in Bailey's Harbor, Wisconsin. And I have yet to check this one out too. This is one on my list. I mean, we don't go to Door County often. Yeah, I, I I don't make my way up that way. Yeah, but I know, like, I just had a Door County gin. It was uh, Death Store. Death Store. Oh my gosh. Maybe that's not the the gin. The Death Store might be the whiskey or the rum or something. It might have been, but it but was it's all so, from that Door County. It was so delicious, and yeah. I love gin. I mean, a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's so gross," but I love the taste of juniper, and I recommend checking that out as well. But this beer is phenomenal. And I recommend you check it out. I think it's available all year round. Yeah, and gin, honestly, gin done right is distilled with uh, other flavors, other notes. Yeah. It's not just that uh, piney. Yeah. Um, so one of the ones that I enjoy uh, uh, does cucumber and rose petal. It's Hendrix. And they oh, that do. Sounds great. That's one of the, the better gins that you can get because it does have. The juniper, it's your normal, it's your normal notes, but then they also have that cucumber and that rose petal that, I mean, just absolutely sets it off and sets it apart from, you know, any other gin. Yeah. If you need a nighttime topper, one thing I recommend is uh, if you have any like lavender, try a gin and lavender. Yeah. It's a good nightcap. If you're trying to go to bed and get a good night's sleep, it works really well. Yeah, absolutely. This stuff is delicious. It's so good. I can't even stop. I love this IPA. Yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, please pick it up at your local Woodman's or your local stores, and uh, yeah. it's a great beer. I I highly recommend it to anyone. Yeah, this is great. Uh, again, this is uh, uh, the Pallet Jack Cruiser IPA from uh, Door County. And just a little funny story, I guess, before I let you go. So I used to work at a large company here in Wisconsin, and uh, if you look at the can, there's an old dude riding a Pallet Jack. So the engineers at this large company I worked for here in Wisconsin, we used to do time trials with pallet jacks. So this is like pretty awesome that somebody else does this. And what we it was a 20,000 square foot facility, and we'd actually do time trials around the entire building. They had it like roped off. So yeah, the artwork is pretty cool. The beer's great. Please check it out. Yeah.
So as always, we like to give a local business shout out. In uh, this case, it's the place in West Dallas, Wisconsin called Recordhead. They're located at 7045 West Greenfield Avenue in West Dallas, Wisconsin, or West Dallica as we like to know it yeah, as. Yeah, Dirty Stale. Dirty Stale. It is my favorite place to go for buying or selling new and used music equipment, movies, music, computer equipment, and video games. It's a regular stop for me, and when I'm up in the Milwaukee area, I always stop. I never pass the place up. They've been around for about 35 years. They have really good prices. The staff is friendly and very knowledgeable. And it was actually voted in uh, 2010 for the uh, A-List Award for the best records and CDs uh, available. So I highly recommend checking them out and uh, liking them on Facebook. And when you're in the area, please, it's a must-stop. Yeah, if you're into uh, record collecting or anything like that or you think you have something uh, older that you're not using anymore, it's definitely a, a, a good place to stop by possibly you've got a little bit of a honey hole of uh, records and stuff that you want to get rid of. Or if you're a record collector and you want to try to find, you know, some of those, uh, some of those uh, things that are missing out of your collection, this is definitely a place to stop by. So today we're here with Carrie from Pioneer Park up in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Uh, Carrie, can you tell us a little bit about Pioneer Park? Any events coming up? Um, anything you recommend doing in the area? mentioned, and I'm the director at Pioneer Park Historical Complex, which is a museum complex located within Pioneer Park proper, which is a city-owned and operated public park in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. And uh, at the complex here, we have seven museums all in one complex. There's an antique sawmill museum. There is a wonderful rural one-room schoolhouse museum housed in a authentic completely restored one-room schoolhouse that was located in the area, staffed all with um, former or current educators, which is really, really special. We have one of the most complete civilian conservation corps museums in the country. It really focuses on the civilian conservation corps and its history here in uh, Wisconsin, particularly the Northwoods of Wisconsin. Uh, they planted millions of trees around the Northwoods of Wisconsin, so uh, we owe a lot of our forest to them. Uh, we have a wonderful antique fire truck museum. We have a antique outboard motor and boat museum, which has some of the oldest outboard motors you can find on display anywhere in the world, which is really cool. We have the oldest logging museum of its kind on the planet. It's been operating for 88 years, and it has a complete collection of a wonderful um, 1880s logging tools and equipment. And uh, really happy to have that stuff on display. And then last but not least, we have a great Rhinelander Railroad Museum that's housed in a completely restored Sioux Line Rail Depot and uh, has an excellent model railroad exhibit of historic Rhinelander, which is always really popular with our visitors. And so all of that combined just makes for a wonderful place to go check out some history and, and uh, to spend the afternoon with uh, friends and family. And uh, despite everything going on this summer, uh, with the pandemic, we've been able to put some precautions in place and uh, keep in touch with the Oneida County Health Department to make sure everybody's safe and comfortable and uh, to be open for the summer. And uh, so far, it's been going great. We haven't had any issues. Great. And, uh, Carrie, I got to ask, so uh, are you the Carrie Exotic as well? Yeah, you know, I would prefer the moniker <laughs> the Hodeg King. And awesome. I don't know awesome. exactly how exotic I am, but, yeah, certainly <laughs> I am the uh, – the man um, underneath the mullet uh, for that particular video. The man, the myth. Yeah, we used you. I think we did a Hodeg episode, and I think we featured your song there, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, you know, when that was all kicking off and, and uh, um, the uh, 
the uh, Tiger King bit was really popular on Netflix. Hey, Bill. Um, just one moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, when that was really popular on Netflix, uh, I just thought, you know, I got to do a Hodag parody video. It just made perfect sense. Oh, for sure. I agree. Harry, um, around Rhinelander, is there anything else you'd recommend for uh, anyone to do around the area? You know, the historical complex, there really isn't anything just like it in the Rhinelander community proper. But uh, certainly in the entirety of the North Woods, there's a lot of things someone can go do. You know, there's a lot of stuff to do in the Monaco area and the Three Lakes area. Uh, Three Lakes has a wonderful little museum. Uh, Monaco has a ton of things going on. And aside from that, we have over a thousand lakes in Oneida County. So the uh, access to boating and fishing and water skiing and all those sorts of activities are, are plentiful. Um, as far as the other things to visit in the Rhinelander community, um, I am a uh, consummate hodag aficionado. And uh, I just love the hodag and how Rhinelander has embraced the hodag over a 120 year period. And so a visit to the Rhinelander Chamber of Commerce to see the, the chamber dag or the big dag as I like to call it, which is uh, kind of greases the entrance of, to town. Um, is always a popular stop. Um, my friend Ben Burnell, who runs the Hodag store on Lincoln Street, that is always a popular place to stop. Aside from having, I think, like 257 individual Hodag items for sale there, uh, the novelty of just seeing the place is, is really cool. And uh, it's a great place to, to get some pictures and uh, get some Hodag swag and stuff like that. So uh, between those three stops, the museum complex, the Hodag store, uh, the Chamber of Commerce uh, makes for a really fun day. And uh, then downtown Brown Street, there's a, a couple of great eateries. Uh, one of my favorites is CT's Deli. Um, they have a wonderful menu. They have uh, indoor seating. They have outdoor covered seating. They have outdoor kind of beer garden seating. And uh, they are, you know, taking appropriate steps to make sure everybody's safe and comfortable there. So, um, you know, that, that I just lined up an itinerary for a, a sweet day in Rhinelander. Yeah, my uh, my in-laws have a condo in Manaqua, and they just yesterday went to see the uh, the the big hodag there, uh, and we're actually enjoying some drink Wisconsinably, uh, line and Kugels, which uh, the hodag store has been talking a lot about as well. Yeah, on Friday I just finished up a uh, bottle of drink Wisconsinably brandy from the hodag store. Awesome! awesome. <laughs> I have not tried that yet. Is it really good? You know, it's not terrible. I, I have to admit, though, I'm a little bit of a uh, brandy old-fashioned snob. Um, it's like I tell people all the time, on Monday morning, I know what I'm going to eat on Friday evening, and that's a fish fry without thinking about it. Yeah. Yep. Hand-in-hand with the fish fry is a uh, you know perfectly made brandy old-fashioned. Um, I like mine sweet. My, li- my wife likes her sour. Uh, tells you a little bit about us as a couple. <laughs> and, uh, so I did get a bottle of this drink for Wisconsin really brandy after uh, they started stocking it at the Hodeg store. I thought, you know, I got to try this. Uh, it's a Wisconsin uh, um, distilled brandy, and uh, it, it really was good. It was it was excellent. I, I did, in fact, get another bottle of it. Um, there you go. Not the best brandy I've ever had, but I'd say it's definitely in the uh, above 50% echelon. There you go. <laughs> Great. And so I got to ask, so we, on one of the episodes, we had the uh, Rhinelander export beer. Have you ever sipped on that stuff? 
Yeah, so of course the Rhinelander uh, beer here within the community is, is legendary. Um, there's a lot of history about that that goes back all the way to the 1880s. And uh, I believe it was in the 1960s when the first kind of iteration of the Rhinelander Brewing Company started to kind of uh, c- close up. And uh, then for many decades, it, it kind of, uh, the Rhinelander Brewing Company kind of sat, uh, its assets kind of sat stagnant, if you will. And uh, another company was able to uh, procure those assets, including, I, I believe, uh, um, recipes for beer and the, the naming rights and that sort of thing. And uh, since then, this, this gal, Jody Alec, who is uh, involved, um, I believe she's uh, amongst the family that owns the Minha Brewing Company in Monroe, Wisconsin. Yep. And they also have a distillery there, too. And she has kind of reprised the Rhinelander Brewing Company name. And uh, they've started to brew their beer again in, in the last so many years. And so, you know, even though it's, uh, it's kind of a new um, iteration of the brewery, um, I think they're doing a great job. And, and, of course, all the locals in Rhinelander think it's really awesome to see Rhinelander beer on the shelves. And uh, um, certainly I've drank my fair share of Rhinelander beer. I, I think the shorties tend to be given as a chaser with uh, Bloody Mary in the north woods of Wisconsin. And so to have an, have the Rhinelander Shorty beer, uh, which is kind of a novelty in of itself, being the first short beer ever developed um, way back when. And uh, people just love it. And uh, it's not bad beer either. <laughs> no, we've we've definitely sucked down our fair share, especially in that one episode I brought a case over. So we, we sucked down some of those uh, Rhinelander Shorties. Shorties, yeah. They were good. Yeah, and they use a lot of the same, uh, you know, um, logos and uh, uh, graphic design and things. So it's a nice throwback to uh, old times when when every community kind of had their own brewery. And, uh, you know, for a while, uh, between like the 1800s and the mid-1900s, every single community of any size had their own brewery. And it was almost like this in-house beer. And that started to kind of go away for a while in lieu of, you know, the big, uh, bottle brewers like the Millers and the Coors and the Bushes and the Budweisers and you know those were really the household names for a lot of decades and and now people are are kind of going back the other way to enjoying a more uh, a, a more crafted uh, uh, lower production style beer um, and and every town seems to be like springing up with another brewery uh, New Glarus of course is one of the bigger ones but. You know, a lot of towns like Potosi, Wisconsin, and Rhinelander, and and uh, all these towns are like firing up new new craft breweries. So I think it's wonderful to have uh, both types of beer exhibited. You know, you got the, the smaller scale brewers, and you got the big brewers, and uh, everybody has plenty of beer to drink, and there's nothing wrong with that in Wisconsin. That's for sure. I agree. So uh, before we let you go, Carrie, we got a few questions to ask to find out how Wisconsin you are. Uh, I hope that I fare well. <laughs> I'm sure you will. So, uh, um, have you ever cut down your own tree? Yeah, absolutely. I actually have a piece of property uh, um, just south of Rhinelander, which was completely wooded. And uh, my wife and I are in the process of building our own home. And so uh, we, you know, together cleared that land by ourselves. Uh, I've cut down tons of trees. And aside from that, have split and stacked unlimited amounts of firewood so yes uh, to answer that absolutely <laughs> awesome i love it 
All right. So next question: Do you uh, have beer brats? And if you do, what beer do you use? Say that again. Beer what? Beer brats. Oh, beer brats. Yeah. You know, I really prefer the Johnsonville brats, and this is not They're like good. to uh, dissuade anyone else from enjoying other brats. There are lots of good brats, particularly there's a brat uh, that's made here in Rylander, Triggs brats, and those are really good. You know, and then the other big name brand is Clements, which uh, they uh, sponsor a lot of the. Uh, I I don't think it's Miller Field anymore, but they have the running sausages. You know, at the baseball games. Yep. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure those are Clements brats, but I, I'm a big fan of Johnsonville brats, and uh, those come in a number of different uh, varieties. And the beer brat itself is my favorite. But to get the original and to do up the brats uh, to begin with. Um, I would definitely throw a Rhinelander shorty in there. That that's like the perfect beer brat beer. I so, agree. That sounds and, uh, good. The key to a beer brat is you got to just grill them a little bit, and then you put them in the beer. Yeah. Don't boil them in the beer and then grill them. See that that's backwards and a uh, kind of a misnomer. But then again, it's a little bit of an argumentative thing. You put your toilet paper over the top of the roll or under the roll. <laughs> right. You know, to each their own. You know, the other thing you add is uh, like a half a stick of butter. When you pull it off the grill and you put it in the Rhinelander shorty, put that half a stick of butter in there and just sort of let it uh, not boil, like you said, but just kind of cook off and rest. Yeah, you know, I think adding a stick of butter to any cooking you're doing is always going to be a win-win situation. You got it. Uh, and just to add one more thing about the brats, um, you know, they got a lot of what I call designer brats these days. Yeah. Like you got the green and gold brats with like cheese and jalapeno. It's kind of like a, a nod to the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, you can get any number of crazy brats. I saw one recently. It was a Hawaiian brat with pineapple and, and green pepper. And I, I'm more of a purist. Yeah. I just like the classic brat. Uh, you know, you can keep your designer brats. I know a lot of people enjoy them. But uh, I just want a classic Johnsonville, you know, uh, served up with some some good Wisconsin brewed beer. Yeah. All right, Kerry, I got another one for you. Um, this is probably a dumb question for you, but have you ever wore flannel to work? Yeah, you know, I, even on a hot day, I'll wear flannel to work. <laughs> awesome. I've taken it off, but certainly the uh, the uh, the flannel pattern very popular. Um, I think if you went into my closet, it's probably about. Uh, 80% flannel, uh, particularly for the winter months. You know, up here in the north Loops of Wisconsin, we get 18 months of winter every year. Yep. So there's plenty of <laughs> opportunity uh, to wear flannel. Love it. And then I got a Northwoods question. So I've done this, but have you ever driven a snowmobile to a bar? Oh, I've driven a snowmobile to a bar, driven a snowmobile to school, driven a snowmobile yep. to church. <laughs> you know, it's just as uh, uh, easy mode of transportation and a lot of fun to and fro. Yeah. I it's, agree. It's kind of the up north thing to do, especially I know I used to go up to um, around Hurley, Wisconsin, and I've driven my snowmobile pretty much everywhere. Yeah, you know, at the school uh, that I went to high school at, and a lot of other high schools in the Northwoods, um, they had certain parking areas for snowmobiles. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Cool. But you can't can't beat in the winter months hopping on the sled and uh you know cruising the trails to your favorite fish fry spot uh it, it just makes perfect sense in the north woods all right so have you i got another question for you have you ever been to a tailgate at either like a packers or brewers game yeah absolutely 
absolutely have tailgated at, at both events. And okay, uh, awesome. sometimes we tailgated uh, when it's a non-event. Just kind of get together <laughs> in, yeah. in any pretty spot and throw the tailgate open, uh, fire up the little charcoal grill, and you know, kick a few Wisconsin brewed beers back. Uh, it's just, it, it, and again, it's a no-brainer for for our uh, beautiful Wisconsin atmosphere. Yeah, Carrie, I got one more question from you. Um, so, if you were to like recommend a supper club to somebody on our show, which one would you recommend checking out? Gosh, this is such a tough question. I know, and, and I, it's not the first time I've been asked because obviously Wisconsin's just chock full of of supper clubs. And like I said, I, if it's Friday night, I'm eating a fish fry. It's yeah. been a little bit different these last couple months. We've been doing a lot of takeout fish fries. Um, but before the pandemic, I mean, if it was Friday night, you were going to find us out to eat at, at one of our local supper clubs. Um, so if I had to pick one uh, out of the thousands of uh, wonderful supper clubs in Wisconsin, I am partial toward a wonderful little place in Sugar Camp, Wisconsin, called Moon Dance. Moon Dance, Okay. That's... Yeah, you know, I think a fish fry should be served with baby red potatoes of some kind. I think that's like the go-to. And Moon Dance does a wonderful fish fry. They serve the best uh, buttered parsley potatoes you can find anywhere. And uh, the bartenders there always have their old fashions on point. So all of that combined makes Moon Dance my uh, absolute favorite spot. Great. Thank you for your time, Carrie. Um, we're planning maybe coming up in a couple of weeks. We'd love to come and just stop by at the Pioneer Park or even the Hodag store. And uh, we'll bring you some koozies up, and we'd love to just talk more history with you when we get up there. Yeah, the museum is open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5, and Sundays, noon to 4. We're closed on Mondays, uh, and we'd love to have you visit. It would be a real pleasure. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. You're welcome, guys. Thank you, and uh, on Wisconsin. Absolutely, on Wisconsin. All right, bye. All right, bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always... Watch Watch out out for deer deer on the way way home. home.